Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. This week there have been reports of Tory ministers calling for Rishi Sunak to be replaced by Business Secretary Kemi Badenoch, who consistently tops polls on the popularity of cabinet ministers. On Sky News this morning, Trevor Phillips showed Badenoch a graph which gave her a favourability rating of 64%, contrasted with Rishi Sunak on minus 26%. He asked her if she was involved in the plotting for a leadership change. The secret that um, many Conservative Party members would prefer you to lead them into the next election. In recent days, uh, a couple of MPs have been rather explicit that the party should dump Mr Sunak and install you as leader. Uh, did you put them up to it? A lot of people who are going around doing this are creating uh, problems and difficulties that the party, and more importantly, the country, does not need. I fully support the Prime Minister, and I have said many times that I stood uh, uh, to be leader and lost, and the last time we had a contest, after Liz Truss resigned, I said that the right person to lead the country was Rishi Sunak, and I still believe that to be the case. So what's your message to those people who are going around spreading this stuff? It's this, the same message uh, I gave uh, several months ago when I, I was interviewed by The Spectator, that they need, they need to stop messing around. They need to stop messing around and get behind the leader. The fact of the matter is most people in the country are not interested in all of this Westminster tittle-tattle. And quite frankly, the people who keep putting my name in there are not my friends. They don't care about me. They, they don't care about my family or what this would entail. They're just stirring. And we have 350 MPs. There's a small number of people who are doing this. The vast majority of Conservative MPs support the Prime Minister, as we saw in the response to uh, the article that Simon Clarke put out last week, and I think that should be the end of the matter. The UK and other Western nations suspended funding for the UN's Relief and Works Agency for Palestine this week after an investigation into 12 of its members of staff who may have participated in the Hamas attack on the 7th of October. Trevor Phillips asked Badenoch if this might have dire consequences for the people of Gaza. Uh, well, I'm not in a position to say. However, it is important for people to understand why we have done this. Uh, there have been very significant allegations made that people from the UN's Relief Works Agency uh, participated or certainly were privy, had privy knowledge to uh, the October 7th attacks. That's extremely serious. And I think it is quite right that we suspend payments uh, to them. Whether the investigation is carried out by a separate arm of the UN or by uh, other, other country governments, I wouldn't be in a position to state, but this is absolutely the right thing to do. Well, whoever does that investigation, however long it takes, uh, this is pretty grim news for two and a half million Gazans, isn't it? Um, how are they going to get food and water while this is going on? Uh, so we are funding other organisations like uh, the Red Cross, like UNICEF. So this isn't the UN. This is one particular agency within the UN that had been operating in Gaza. Uh, the UK has uh, been ensuring that we are able to send aid to the people of Gaza, and that's something that we want to continue to do. But there is clearly a problem with the UN Relief Works Agency, and that's, it's really important that we do something about that. The fallout from the ITV drama on the Horizon IT scandal and its victims continues. They'd not confirmed to Trevor Phillips that the post office chair Harry Staunton had been asked to leave on Saturday night, despite only holding the position for a year. She said the post office's problems go beyond the scandal.
In a way, that makes it even more mysterious. I mean, if it's about a whole series of things, much uh, a wider set of issues than the Horizon question, he's the second board member you sacked. The guy's only been there one year. I mean, what is going on? So it's, it isn't that this is about a series of issues. It's that the post office has a series uh, of problems that it is currently dealing with. Governance is yeah, but a why not give him some time to sort those out? Well, because we, he's already had time to sort some of those things out. But you, you appoint people sometimes to take uh, a, a certain type of decision. Given everything that has happened this year, I think we need someone new who can deal with these issues uh, in a different way. I, 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 think you're telling, I think you're telling me that you picked the wrong guy. I didn't appoint him. I didn't appoint him, and at the time that he was okay, appointed... OK, whoever did picked uh, the wrong uh, guy. Uh, uh, Trevor, let me finish. Uh, at the time that he was appointed, we did not have the intense scrutiny that we uh, have now. We hadn't quite started uh, some of the uh, compensation, compensation schemes which are currently ongoing. But if there are difficulties with the board, he's not the only board member, if there are difficulties, then I need to intervene. The wrong thing to do would be to sit back uh, with that bureaucratic indifference that we often see across systems and say, oh, well, well, he's only been there for a year. Let's hope, let's hope things just get better. I see it as my job to intervene if I don't believe that the system is working. And that is exactly what I have done. So it is possible that we will see more people shown the door? Uh, I won't be uh, making any further comments around personnel changes. I think that we need to do this in a civilised way. I don't like doing HR on TV. It is not fair on the individuals. I don't think we should be dragging people's reputations through the mud. Sometimes uh, certain uh, placements don't work out and uh, we've decided to part ways. Having watched the BBC Focus Group give tepid reactions to Keir Starmer, even among Labour voters, Laura Kingsberg asked Shadow Business Secretary Jonathan Reynolds why so many people say they don't know what Starmer stands for. But actually, no one's going to feel enthusiastic about politicians until they give you a chance in government. Actually, opposition leaders, political leaders who are not in power, can create excitement. They can instill inspiration sometimes from time to time. And on the substance of it, we heard from voters, they're not quite sure what Keir Starmer stands for. I mean, I'll read you one young voter, Johnny. I don't know what he believes. I think everything he says is to try and win the majority over. And after years in the job, why is it that people don't know what he stands for? Well, look, you have to fight for hearing in opposition. We understand that. But if you think about the clear positions Keir has taken, I mean... Seeing you to abolish the, the super tax regime, the non-dom regime, and put that money into the health service, I think that is a clear choice. Seeing you to change the taxation of private education to put that money into state education, that is a clear choice. Seeing you are going to build homes and override the people who say you shouldn't build homes around here, that is a clear and choice. And saying you're going to spend £28 billion on clean energy and green projects and saying, actually, no, then you might not spend £28 billion on green projects and creating jobs, that's not creating certainty. Sure, that's a, creating a lot people, of confusion. Think, yeah, people understand our ambition there is absolutely clear. How much you can spend on anything is determined by the health of the economy and whoever wins the next election, the inheritance doesn't look very good, to be frank. And, of course, we have been very clear. We feel the fiscal rules we put forward, essentially wanting to see debt fall mm. by the end of a parliament, that governs those decisions, not because we're not ambitious, but because if you don't have that discipline, you end up again like Liz Truss. There false is, promises to people. There's something more than that, though, isn't there? Because Keir Starmer has also dropped a whole host of pledges that he made in his leadership campaign. We've discussed them in this studio lots of times. And he's changed his mind on how fast he would bring in that £28 billion a year of investment. Now, whether that's 
a good thing or a bad thing for him to change his mind? Do you accept that it has created that perception for some people that he doesn't quite know what he's about? He changes his mind all the time and therefore they're not quite sure. Well, look, I think we've got some very clear positions. I think circumstances do change, and particularly the, the health of the public finances, the cost of borrowing, that did change remarkably in the last few years. So you, you've got no choice in opposition but to reflect on that and therefore put your, your programme forward, because, again, people don't want promises they don't think that can be delivered. And finally, in an interview with Laura Koonsberg, US Secretary of the Navy Carlos del Toro was forthright in his criticism of Donald Trump, saying he had a suspicious attitude to democracy. There are a lot of extremely tense situations in the world right now. Yes. There's the situation in the Middle East, there's the ongoing situation between Ukraine and Russia. It all contributes to a nervous atmosphere in many parts of the world and amongst many Western leaders. You said that the world should be worried by the prospect of Donald Trump becoming president again. Why did you say that? Well, I, I said that because I, it's my strong conviction that President Biden has provided the mature leadership, both in the United States and stabilizing our economy, which was faced by many challenges early as he took office, uh, rebuilding that economy and building the national security relationships with our allies and partners around the globe. You said, though, that President Trump was somebody who aligned himself with autocrats and dictators, and that the world should be worried by the possibility of him coming back to the White House. What is your worry? Well, my worry is that, you know, we as Americans, for as long as I can remember, certainly since I served in uniform, we've had both Republican and Democratic presidents who've always abided by the core values of our country, protecting the freedoms of Americans and other people around the globe and protecting democracy itself. And when you have someone who doesn't ally to those core principles, it makes you wonder, you know, should you be supporting that individual? You said he had a suspicious attitude to democracy. Absolutely so. And what might the worst outcome then be for the security of the world. Do you think America could leave NATO? What impact might that have? Well, I can't predict what the future would bring, um, but it will suffer un undoubtedly. What do you mean by that? It will suffer because we won't have the benefit of the mature leadership that President Biden has provided the United States and the world. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this podcast was produced by Joe Bidel Brill. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.